time to wake up. It's Saturday morning. Find some milk and cereal. Grab a bowl and spoon. No, a bigger spoon. Head to the living room and take a seat on the floor. But Joseph and Chris present to you... Saturday Morning Cartoon! Hello everybody and welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom! This is a show where we plop down on the living room floor with a big bowl of cereal and watch all of your favorite cartoons, both old and new. I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And today, we watched... Bob's Burgers, as recommended by Funk Radio Podcast, at Get Your Funk on SoundCloud. Thanks, Funk Radio Podcast. Yes, thank you, Funk Radio Podcast. I guess thank you to the whole podcast, because I don't the know. The whole podcast. Uh, we don't know any individuals, <laughs> yeah. so thank you, everyone involved in I, that Yeah, podcast. I appreciate all the individuals involved in the production <laughs> of Funk Radio Podcast. Bob's Burgers is still running, started in 2011, and is still going on, created by Lauren Bouchard who also is a creator of Lucy, the Daughter of the Devil. And as a tie back to our Metalocalypse episode, he also co-created Home Movies with Brendan Small. That makes a lot of sense seeing some of the other names involved in this show. So awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. So far, there's been six seasons, 94 episodes. I believe that it's been approved for at least a seventh and possibly an eighth season as well. So Still going strong. It airs on Fox. Seasons one through four are currently streaming on Netflix, while season six can be found on Hulu. Season five is lost in a dead zone somewhere. I'm not sure what's going on with that. For a short synopsis, Bob Belcher, along with his wife and three children, try to run their last hope of holding the family together, which is running Bob's dream restaurant. That's a, not a great synopsis. It makes sense, but I don't know. I, I think it's more along the lines of they're not even always at the restaurant. It's kind of that's what he does but the family just kind of gets into all kinds of hijinks and scenarios it's more about the family than the burger place right yeah that, that's kind of a, a center point as far as just a backdrop yeah but it doesn't have a lot to do with like the business aspect of it or anything of course yeah not at all all right so chris who are some notable actors from this show all right so one of the things that i enjoyed about this show and i did not know before coming in is there are a lot of men voicing the women which is absolutely hilarious but first of all, our main character, Bob Belcher, voiced by H. John Benjamin, a voice that just about everybody is going to recognize, especially in the animated world. He is Sterling Archer from Archer. He was Coach McGurk in home movies, like Joseph mentioned a little while ago. The main camp counselor in the first few episodes of Wet Hot American Summer, if you watch that TV show on Netflix. In the last several years, he's been all over the place. And I think he probably has the most distinct voice right now in all of voice acting. So I love it when he comes up. Yeah, I like his voice, but it's one of those things that's like, you know, absolutely that it's him when he's doing a voice. Oh, yeah, because it's pretty much the same voice every time. Yeah. Like, it's just pretty much his voice. Right. But his voice is so interesting and distinct that it fits for different characters without really having to change the sound of it that much. The attitude that he uses fits. Oh, yeah. And he just makes it his own. So in addition to him, we have his wife, Linda, is played by a man named John Roberts. <laughs> so I, I had no idea that it was a man voicing his wife. I would not have guessed at all. Yeah, he does a really good job at a she. And it, and it, she has kind of like this um, sort of Jersey accent, which might have been how he was able to pull it off. Because if he didn't have the accent, maybe it would be a little bit more... 
don't know. Maybe it would be more obvious that it might not be a woman, but no, I had no idea. Like, I would not have even guessed that it wasn't a woman. Until I looked at the IMDb page, I didn't know either. Just on the flip side of that, we have the first daughter, Tina, who is also voiced by a man, voiced by Dan Mintz, who doesn't do a whole lot of voice acting. He's mostly a comedy writer, but he does do a few things here and there. Now, this voice, you can definitely tell it's a guy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I love it because... It's so just kind of deadpan and not a lot of emotion, just kind of mumbling things. It's perfect for that character. It's just absolutely hilarious. Mm -hmm. Every time she opens her mouth, I'm dying laughing. (laughs) It's just perfect. Then we've got Gene, who is their only son. He is voiced by Eugene Meerman. He's been on shows like Flight of the Concords. He was in Lucy, Daughter of the Devil, along with H. John Benjamin. He was also in several episodes of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. We have Louise, who is the youngest daughter, played by Kristen Schaal, who we've seen before in this show. She was Mabel in Gravity Falls. She also plays on BoJack Horseman and on the television show The Last Man on Earth. So she's probably, aside from H. John Benjamin, she's probably the second most recognizable name on this list. And I love her, too. Like, the the more and more I hear of her, especially in this show, absolutely love the work that she does. It's great. She has that really erratic personality, and you you can hear it in her voice. Also, to tie back to Eugene Meerman, she was also a member of the Flight of the Concords crew as far as being in some of those episodes goes. Oh, that's right. It's like a connected world there. I want to be a part of this. Hire us. We can voice act with the best of them. <laughs> In addition to the, 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 I mean, that's the main family. That's the main group of characters and actors. Pretty much any modern comedian you can think of guest stars on this show. Looking through the, the IMD page and the list is just ridiculous long. Just everybody has voiced somebody in the show. Some of them, you know, are returning characters and have as many as 20 something credits. Others just come in for one or two episodes. But pretty much anyone that you can think of has appeared in this show. If they're a relevant comedian in this day and age, they've been here. Mm hmm. Yeah, we'll name a few of them off, but since I know you're going to eat around the actual cereal anyway, Chris, let me make it easier on you and pull a few marshmallows out of this show ahead of time. So there's a comic book series based on this show published by Dynamite Entertainment, which began in September 2014. I've not personally read any issues, but after watching this show for the first time, I definitely will be in the future. I haven't heard of this either. <laughs> I'm, I'm still doing my voices. Yeah, Seriously, you got, I want to You got to try different voices. every. I'm going like, to just keep doing it throughout the whole episode. There you go. Maybe someone will catch on. Uh, also, Tina and Luis were named after actress Tina Luis, best known as Ginger on Gilligan's Island. And then in 2013, TV Guide ranked Bob's Burgers as one of the top 60 greatest TV cartoons of all time. And then lastly, originally the Belchers were pitched as actual cannibals, making burgers out of the flesh of their victims. Of course, Fox found this to be too dark, so it was ultimately taken out. But even though it was taken out, it does kind of lead us into our first episode, which we'll talk about in a little while. That is super creepy. That man, that changes my whole outlook of yeah. the show. Yeah, that's how it was. Oh. That's how it was originally pitched. Like in the pilot so that they weird. had, they were actual cannibals. Why would you even do that? That's so <laughs> weird and creepy. Oh man, it, it just it goes from like a uh, loving family comedy show to a really creepy like horror fest. Oh. That's so weird. Even cannibals can be loving families, Chris. Come on. Let's not discriminate against the cannibals because they might be listeners. That would give a whole new meaning to the phrase bite me if (laughs) one of the kids said that to their brother or sister. (laughs) What are your memories of this show, Chris? Not much. Not much. I, (laughs) I have not really watched this show before. 
I knew it existed. The problem that I had was I used to be a big fan of Family Guy. And I think just about anyone out there can admit that Family Guy, after several seasons, got extremely stale, got extremely repetitive, and the jokes were just falling flat. It really wasn't that funny anymore. And, like, I eventually, like, I tried to stick with it for as long as I could, and I just couldn't do it anymore. Like, I I caught myself rolling my eyes more than laughing at the jokes. So... This show comes along on the same network in the same kind of block, like primetime block. And they're everyone's kind of advertising this as the next family guy. And I'm like, nah, I've had enough of family guy. I'm good. So yeah, so I just didn't give it the time of day and people would be like, yeah, it's pretty funny. I'm like, okay, well, I don't. Yeah, I don't care. I, I mean, I thought family guy was pretty funny. It's really not anymore. I don't know. I was turned off because of that. I was turned off because it was compared to family guy so much. Not to be a kind of snob or anything like that, but Fox isn't known for having the greatest things. Each year, they will have a couple of shows that are just freaking awesome. And the rest of them are like those shows that are canceled after six episodes. So I was just like, whatever, it's Fox, it's Family Guy, I don't care anymore. I really wish that I would have given it a chance because this cartoon's freaking awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, I am regretting all of those things that I thought about it back then. I really should have just given it a chance. So I am never going to write something off again. I I'm, I got to give it that fighting chance. Like I said, I knew about it, didn't watch it. Honestly, my first exposure to it was earlier this year. Actually, only like maybe a month or two ago, we were at some friends of ours and having some dinner there and they just happened to have it on the background and I caught just a couple minutes of it but wasn't paying that much attention. But it was enough that I heard Tina talk for the first time and heard the man voice and thought that was pretty funny. So that kind of planned the seed, and then when Funk Radio Podcast sent this as their request for us to review, I was like, okay, you know what, I I think the time is right for me to give it a shot, and yep, I like it. See, that's a really good thing about this show, not only for our listeners, but for us, is we get to explore new territory that we may have avoided in the past or just not known about altogether. And so we get to, in a way, culture ourselves to new cartoons or even old cartoons that we just passed over. Yes, it's very convenient. <laughs> this episode is also going to be Chris's application for future voice acting. Yeah, I can just edit out all my little voices from this and use this as my uh, my portfolio. Yeah, this will be your demo reel. My demo reel for the voice acting world. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as you, though. Seeing as this is a relatively new and ongoing show, I had, of course, heard of it, but this is my very first time actually watching an episode. There are just so many animated family comedies going on that never really caught my attention It really fell completely under my radar. Like you said, the comparison to Family Guy, I can watch an episode every now and then and laugh at it, but there's no way I could watch like a marathon of Family Guy because a lot of it's the same kind of stuff over and over again, rehashed and rehashed. But that comparison in general probably deterred me from watching this. Now that I've seen a few episodes, I'm definitely excited to talk about it. There's so much more to it. It's really, it reminds me more of early Simpsons than it does Family Guy because it's less about like gags and like, hey, remember the time this happened? Like Family Guy. Family Guy is all that. It's like, oh yeah, it's all flashback. Hey, remember, remember this, remember this, remember this? Yeah, this is not really that at all. So this is more of a, not wholesome, but this is more of a family, kind of more realistic, quote unquote, world. So I, I definitely enjoyed watching it and I think we're ready to jump right into the episodes, honestly. I don't really have anything else to say that I won't touch on while we're talking about them. Yes, I'm definitely ready to move on. 
So we'll jump right into the three episodes that we watched for today's show. The very first episode, the highest rated episode, and finally a random or listener chosen episode. And as always, the order may vary depending on how these episodes fall chronologically. But of course, we have to start with the very first episode, which was, like we talked about earlier, Human Flesh, season one, episode one. That's so creepy now. <laughs> now uh, that you know about it, doesn't that make you look at it in a completely yeah, different way? it makes me look at it completely differently. On top of watching his dysfunctional family crumble around him, Bob faces the wrath of a jealous health inspector who cooks up a nasty rumor about the restaurant's choice of meat. That's kind of inaccurate because he didn't really cook it up. He just kind yeah. of fanned the flames, more or less. Yeah, yeah really, that was more Luis cooking yeah. it up. So what happened was Luis, she's kind of a troublemaker. So in her show and tell in her class, she brought one of her dad's burgers and was trying to scare the other kids and said it's made of human flesh. So this, uh, I guess, you know, rumor starts because people are like, holy crap. And this health inspector gets wind of the rumor and comes up to check it out and basically then realizes that his former fiance that left him for another man is in fact Bob's wife. So he has this vendetta already against Bob and just refuses to even test the meat. He just straight up declares that the rumors are true and just gives them like the hardest time ever. Yeah, he puts up a sign that's like, under inspection for potential human flesh. Oh, yeah. And it's got like the black um, like icon of hamburger buns with a person in between. <laughs> yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. And we find out Hugo, who is the health inspector, he and his partner, Ron, are the ones who are going and giving Bob a hard time, not even knowing initially that Linda is there. So we get this kind of uh, apparently, even though Hugo's this like short, like weird looking guy, he's a good kisser, according to Linda. And uh, then we get to see Bob's kisses, which was hilarious. <laughs> He salivates a lot, so his kisses are very uh, wet, I guess you yeah. could say. So, like, he uh, he demonstrates and kisses her, and she pulls back and just has, like, spit dripping all over her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. There's so many funny jokes in this cartoon, like, in this episode. I mean, I was hooked in the first few minutes of this. I, I was like, I know I'm going to like this show. Like, as soon as we heard Tina, like, basically, the dad is giving a pep talk to his kids because they're about to enter this really busy time period. It's like in the summer. All these people are going to be coming to get some burgers. So he's giving his family a pep talk to, you know, make sure that they're getting the jobs done, that they're cooking, that they're advertising outside. They're getting people to come in. Tina is the cook. And Tina's just like, my crotch is itchy. <laughs> as soon as that happened, I was like, I knew this is going to be a great show. Are you telling me that as my daughter or as my fry cook? <laughs> right. Uh, uh, the Man, it was a, a great introduction to all of the personalities of this show. Because we have Bob, who is just really, he's kind of all business. He's like no nonsense, but he's really sarcastic and witty. So that's the best I can describe him. But he's he's just enjoyable to listen to his interaction with the other characters. And Tina is, just, like I said before, kind of this deadpan, really awkward girl who's just sort of there. <laughs> she's a prepubescent teenager or she's going through her prepubescent phases. She is awkward, but she's also like she probably has the most heart of any of them as far as she's all about boys. She's a typical teenager in a right. sense, but she's very idealistic in a way, yeah. even as deadpan as she is. She she's also very idealistic. <laughs> We have Gene, who is the son, and he's just a lighthearted goofball. He's a blast to watch. He is super hyper and, and just he's, constantly he's talking. Constantly talking, constantly stripping down to his underwear for yeah. no reason at all. 
And uh, one of my favorite parts was, he, so he is dressed as a burger. He's supposed to be outside advertising, trying to get people into the shop. And he has this megaphone that he's like, you know, oh, saying yeah. things through, trying to get people to come in. But it also makes fart noises. So he keeps hitting it and making the sound effect. And his dad gets mad at him and tells him not to use that outside because they're right next to a crematorium. So he's like, do not use that thing at the people come out of the crematorium. So that's the first freaking thing he does. Well, well, he's outside. He's outside trying to, you know, give samples of burgers or get people to come inside. Bob's like, don't offer them to the grieving people coming from the funeral home. And of course, he he's just like, when I'm in character, I'm all there. Like, I, I can't get out of it. So he's just trying to give burgers away to everybody using that megaphone, like you said, with the fart noises, <laughs> which are hilarious. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's it's a good one. The the best was this elderly lady comes out. She's being helped by a couple people, obviously, just like, you know, had her husband cremated or something. And he sticks the megaphone right in her face and does the fart noises. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. <laughs> So yeah, that doesn't it doesn't help their cause that they're being accused of using human meat in their burgers when they're right next to a crematorium. And since this isn't the cannibal show that it once was supposed to be, the health inspectors actually do the inspection in their car because they have the ability to find out that of course it's not human flesh. So when Hugo's partner goes up there to try to tell Bob this. This is right after a bus full of people who are kind of experimental or adventurous eaters come up and they they want to try human flesh. So they go in and they're willing to pay $50 per burger just to have this. So when his partner comes up and is like, I just, I want to tell you, we found out it's not human flesh. Bob's just like, shut up, shut up, stop talking. <laughs> Stop talking. <laughs> that was really good. That was a good oh, part. Man. One of the jokes that they kind of snuck in there just during conversation between the uh, health inspector was something about, like, in the middle of their banter, mentioned something about the FDA regulations saying that you can't have over 4% of human flesh <laughs> in your meat. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, like, acknowledging a little bit's okay. but A little bit of everything's okay. That's just, like, I think the same thing goes for, like, rat feces or something like that. Yeah, there actually is a regulation like that. Which makes me really sad that I've probably eaten rat poop. At least 4% of it in any burger. So what was your favorite gag from this episode? Because there's a lot of really good ones. The one that most comes to mind is when those people step off the bus and Bob is talking to Hugo's partner like that. That to, that made me laugh more than I think anything else did. Although the whole show made me laugh in some way. So this is oh, just yeah. the first thing that pops into my head. I laughed a lot. And my favorite gag of this whole thing, it was a great introduction to Louise who was my favorite character from this show, which was her parents were kind of downstairs. They're having a, a bit of a spat because Bob keeps forgetting dates and forgot their anniversary. So Luis is upstairs kind of running things and she writes the burger <laughs> oh, yeah. of the day, which is called the child molester. <laughs> and that's when the health inspector comes in and sees that the burger of the day is called the child molester. And he asks why. And she says, because it comes with candy. And they're like, oh, but then she starts explaining it. She's like, you know, because they lure their victims with candy. Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> we And we see the child molester as a burger, and it's a burger with a lollipop sticking out of the top of right. it. Right. <laughs> uh, that was really good. Yeah, that was perfect. The very, very end of the episode when, you know, the family's kind of coming back together and they're like, you know what? We did all right. Tina <laughs> chimes in and says, now my rash doesn't itch anymore and it smells like bacon. I think we're going to be okay. I was like, what? Uh, 
Oh, man. This was a good intro to the series as a whole. It gives you a good idea about all the characters and the kind of attitudes they have. Right. And this this episode made me want to watch the entire show. Like, yeah. it's rare that I get that from a cartoon or a show in general. I mean, I, I might watch an episode and be like, yeah, this might be cool. Or, yeah, I kind of like that. You know, I'm going to watch a few more episodes. I watched this and was like, I have to watch everything. You know what? That's the same thing that happened after I watched the three episodes that we watched for the show today. I did end up watching at least six or seven more of the first season. Oh, perfect. Yeah. My wife and I, we're, we're finishing up a show right now. Actually, since we did Avatar The Last Airbender, my sh- or my wife wanted to watch it. So we started watching that in its entirety. So as soon as we finish that, we're jumping to Bob's Burgers next. Yeah, this is one of those shows that really sucked me into it. Kind of like Steven Universe did. Like, I still am trying to catch up on that show, too. So... Saturday Morning Cartoon Boom is good and bad for me because it introduces me to new shows, but it also brings me new addictions to where I have to finish these series. Let's jump into the second episode that we watched, which was OT, The Outside Toilet, season three, episode 15, chosen by Funk Radio Podcast, where Eugene encounters a mysterious talking toilet. That's literally the description of the episode. And it's actually pretty descriptive. That's yeah. You know, this whole episode is kind of a parallel of E.T. I mean, they even go so far as that at some point, Gene ends up wearing the red hoodie that Elliot wears. Which is funny because we see him wearing that later on, too. Like, that's kind of a continuation thing. Like, he's still wearing that even in other episodes. Oh, I didn't even know that. That's awesome. What happens is episode starts out with you see this uh, truck going. You see a crate bouncing around. The crate falls out and it breaks open. Basically, there's this toilet just sitting in the woods after it fell off. And, and Gene is the one that finds it. And it is what I will describe as a smart toilet. It's like the toilet equivalent of an iPhone um, that has like, you know, Siri in it or something like the The toilet talks to you and tells jokes and does other things. So it's pretty much if your toilet had Siri and was automatic, like did everything itself. And Gene thinks this is the greatest thing ever. And like it becomes his best friend pretty much. Just something of note to point out real quick is that the toilet's voice is played by John Hamm from Mad Men. Yeah. You know what? What's really funny about that is there is a joke in the very beginning of the episode that alludes to that in a way because basically Bob, as like a side story to Eugene's story, Bob gets this new suit, right? And he's wearing it and everywhere he goes in this suit, people are like bending over backwards to do things for him because he looks so good in this suit. So when he first comes downstairs and his family sees him for the first time, Luis says, uh, wow, Don Draper's looking kind of fat this season. Yeah. <laughs> so Don Draper being the character that John Han plays in Mad Men. So they make a joke about it and then he ends up being in that episode, which was really cool. Yeah, this show is really clever about doing things like that. The burger of the day in this episode that I noticed at least was sharp cheddar dressed man burger, which was <laughs> uh, it's basically just a burger that comes with sharp cheddar. I didn't catch that. That's awesome. It's not on the level of child molester, but most of these are not written by Luis, so they're not going to be as vulgar. Okay, this is a question. Maybe you know this, maybe not. Or if you don't, listeners, let me know. Do they have a new burger of the day in like every episode or do they feature them a lot? I think that they do have something new written on every single episode. It might not point them out or like refer to them, but if you look in right. the background. But it's there. It's always something new on that chalkboard. See, I love when shows do that. So that's going to be one thing that I'm going to have to look for each episode now when I start watching. 
Very cool. The way this episode really kind of starts out is with Gene, who is supposed to be doing parental training by using a bag of flour as a baby <laughs> for his health class, I guess. And yeah. every time he gets a he gets a bag of flour, which is supposed to symbolize the baby, he just drops it and it busts open. And not gets, just like, you know, drops it at some point. It's immediately as soon as it's in his hands, he hand. drops it and it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> After the first one, it's great because his teacher's like, or Gene asks if if he can have another, and the teacher's just like, you think people can just have more babies or something like that? And then he's like, yes, they can. So here, have another. And then <laughs> right. he immediately drops that one. Then he goes crazy and steals another baby that was in there and starts to run away, drops that one and falls on it. <laughs> <laughs> and his teacher's just like, get up off the ground and wipe that baby off of you. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a great joke. Uh, Wipe that yeah. baby off of you. Oh, man. <laughs> there was a lot of um, guest stars in this episode. So the guy that originally lost the toilet off the truck comes back looking for it. He tells everyone his name is Max Flush. <laughs> <laughs> He's voiced by Neil Flynn. Neil's been in a lot of sitcoms and stuff like that and um, just other TV shows. Most notably, from what I know, the janitor from Scrubs. I think they actually revealed his name once in Scrubs, and I think it ended up being Josh. <laughs> but they only said it one episode. It was this long thing where everyone was like, well, no one knew the name of the janitor. And in one episode, he goes, oh, it's Josh. And that's it. He's been in a lot of other shows since then. And one's been pretty successful. I don't remember exactly what it is. I know it's like a family sitcom kind of show. I don't know. He's had some success. So pat on the back, janitor. We also had Andy and Ollie voiced by Sarah and Laura Silverman, which I think a lot of our listeners would probably know Sarah Silverman. Laura Silverman is her sister. The only thing I've actually seen Laura in was the Sarah Silverman show, but Sarah Silverman's been in all kinds of stuff and is a hilarious comedian. So it was fun to hear them in this. Yeah. And those are actually recurring characters too. In some of the other episodes I watched, Andy and Ollie come back and are actually big parts of the shows. Right. I think they're credited at least 20-something episodes. Nice. One of my favorite lines from this episode was when, well, first, okay, so since this is kind of ET-centric and Gene is kind of the Elliot of the episode, the toilet is the ET or the OT, outside toilet, he goes and he finds it and they become friends. My favorite line was when he brings his sisters to come see the toilet. And it's Tina's interactions with toilet where she's like, she sees it, it takes commands and it follows orders. And she's like, uh, say, I love you. And it's like, I love you. And then she's like, say, I love you, Tina, but I'm not a toilet. I'm a boy. And the toilet, the toilet's just like, no. <laughs> yeah. uh, Even the toilet won't stoop that low. No. <laughs> or that part, that part just cracks me up. I've watched this episode like three times and cracked up every single time. There is one thing that I want to point out real quick, and this has nothing to do with where we are, but it's about Luis, is that she's always wearing that hat with the pink bunny ears on it. Oh, yeah, yeah. All the time. That's... And I love it. It's so funny. It'd be weird to see her without it now because yeah. you're so used to seeing it on her. It's just, it's hilarious. And, you know, it reminds me of those, um, it's like a neopop Tokyo subculture where they wear the goofy little animal, like anime kind of hats and stuff like that. Like, it wouldn't be that weird to see, like, a Pokemon version of a hat or, like, you know, like a cat face on it. The only other media I can think of where I've seen this a lot is if, if you're into comics, if you ever read Runaways which was a Marvel series, one of their characters, Molly, is always wearing those same kind of hats. It just kind of reminds me of that. And yeah, like you said, 
it it would be weird to see her not in it and it just goes with her personality so well because she's so just energetic and witty and kind of just spastic all the time it's just it worked out perfectly it looks great but she's so diabolical though like she oh, yeah. she always she's, has something up her sleeve she's very conniving like i yeah. mean she's just oh she she's witty and intelligent to the point that she uh is constantly trying to outdo everybody else yeah, she's sometimes the, subtly. She's the youngest, but she's also probably the smartest, or at least she thinks she is. Yes, exactly. Basically, the rest of this episode, they're just kind of like they're paralleling ET. Basically, this this guy is kind of representing the government, you know, trying to get the toilet back. They're basically trying to keep it away from him. It even has the for a couple seconds at least has the flight. So the famous scene in ET. Where it's <laughs> Elliot with E.T. in the bicycle basket in the air going past the moon. And this, it's uh, the toilet in, <laughs> with Gene on it <laughs> in the air for, for a second and then just immediately falls. <laughs> yeah, because the toilet can't fly. Right, yeah. I like when, when he asks the toilet to uh, spread its wings or to get wings. It just starts playing Paul McCartney's wings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this show is just so great. It was good. So this episode was awesome. Thank you, Funk Radio Podcast. I'm really glad you chose this one. This was one of my favorites out of the three that we watched. Yeah, it was very good. I really enjoyed it. Still practicing. Still auditioning. Yeah, anyone out there, you need voice actors. I'm still here. Still (laughs) here. Well, that moves us on to the last episode that we watched, which was Hauntening from Season 6, Episode 3. When Luis reveals she hasn't been scared before, the Belchers visit a haunted house. The trip is more frightening than anticipated. I completely understand why this was the highest rated episode. This was my favorite episode out of what we watched. I loved it. I love every second of this episode. Every joke was perfect. This episode was amazing. And as a big horror fan, for anybody who has listened to me in the hundreds of podcasts I've been in, I was completely enamored by this episode. Everything about it just really screamed and reached out to me. Man, it was so good. So basically, yeah, it starts off there at the the burger shop and they're talking to um, one of the other customers because it's like, you know, about Halloween, stuff like that. And Luis is mentioning that she's never been scared. So her parents set up a haunted house. And they take her there, and it's terrible. They do a horrible job. It's not scary at all. They've got everything from the grape eyeballs to the (laughs) angel hair pasta intestines. (laughs) The problem was they didn't even have the grape eyeballs. They thought they did, but Bob thought Linda got it. Linda thought Bob got the grapes, and they didn't have anything. Which led to a funny joke where um, the kids were talking about how they wanted to scare the parents instead because the parents did such a bad job. And I, th- I think Tina says something about the, the grapes and Gene's like, oh, should I call my grape guy? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In that same scene, right after they do or right after Linda, like she's like Lady Frankenstein at that point. I can't remember yeah. what she called herself. Frank and Linda or something. And the, I think Bob accidentally called her Frankenstein. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just like, no. And after she lets out her angel hair pasta intestines, Tina and Jean are a little kind of like scared by it or taken aback a little bit. Same with the eyeball thing. But yeah, then, they're freaked out a little. Yeah, but then Luis is just like, come on, you're not even trying anymore. Angel hair pasta is the least threatening pasta or is the least <laughs> scary pasta. It's in the name. Yeah, <laughs> that was really good. Good observation there. Oh, man. So basically after that, they're like, oh, fine, you know, let's just go home kind of thing. Things start going awry, like they can't get cell phone reception. Their tires go flat. 
the tire's flat, they're out in the driveway, and there's this creepy guy at the end of the driveway just staring at them, not talking, just staring yeah. right at them. Without, without spoiling the episode, because I really think you need to watch it to appreciate yeah. it, I think that we could just say, like, cults, garden shears, and fire, and that really kind of rounds up. Well, yeah, they, they basically get trapped in the house. It turns into a different kind of horror story than they had anticipated. Yeah, it basically turns into like a horror movie for a little bit. Like they're trapped. Something's in the house. There's weird things going on inside and outside. Weird and, screams, weird monstrous noises. Yeah, one of my favorites is uh, they get themselves locked into the upstairs bathroom because something's right outside the door. Gene is having this really lucid moment with his dad, and he's like... <laughs> I just want you to know you're doing a great job as a dad. I've had a great childhood. Not so much right now, but in general. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the whole time Bob's just like, yeah. Okay. Great, Gene. He's just like, all right, great. great. Thanks, Goodbye. Gene. Maybe later. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about this later. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It was so good. My favorite part of this episode, which I can't even talk about entirely because it'll be kind of spoilerific, but it's where the scream from the basement originates where it came from <laughs> yeah, yeah that was probably my favorite <laughs> that scene. was good um can we just take a moment to talk about the music video at the end oh, of course yeah we can talk <laughs> about that absolutely so at the very beginning of the episode one of the kids or maybe all the kids were listening to or was it on in the car ride they heard a it, song yeah it was in the car ride on the okay. radio and bob turned it down and then tina was just like but dad, that's the new Boys For Now album that just dropped. And he's like, don't say dropped. And then all the kids are just like, dropped, dropped. <laughs> I love that the, the name of the group is Boys For Now. <laughs> yeah, this is the the boy band, the popular boy band yeah. of this world. Yeah, and it's very much like, you know, obviously the name's kind of taken a crack at uh, Boys To Men. But like the, the actual guys themselves are taking a shot at like One Direction. And in sync and that kind of thing, like these young, I mean, they're they're really really young. Like One Direction was young several years ago, but the music sounds more like in sync or something like that. Not that I'm an expert, but my wife listens to a lot of old music, and that's <laughs> the kind of music she had. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You keep telling everybody that. Um. So at the at the end of the episode, it just shows them all in the kitchen at home. It's almost like not even connected to the episode. It's like the episode's done. And then they have this little segment where it's actually just the music video that we're seeing for the song that they had on the radio. And then it, it pans out to have the kids are actually watching it in the kitchen. And eventually they're like singing with it and like dancing and, and stuff dancing, like that. And yeah. finally get their dad to dance and sing to it. And he starts out like being really bad at it, but he get, slowly gets really into it. And he's like really trying Oh, man, it's just hilarious. And the song, the music video to the song was just really funny, too. The oh, song yeah. was I Love You So Much, It's Scary. And <laughs> it's it's a Halloween-themed song as well, where the, the whole band is dressed up like different monsters, like right. mummy, vampire, zombie, Frankenstein, etc. The lyrics are so funny. The lyrics are hilarious. Like, I was, <laughs> it is actually really catchy, too. I was singing it to myself in the car today. I was like, God. <laughs> this scene in particular, the, the family watching this and singing it and dancing together brought everything together for me to love this show because it showed me that this show isn't just the silly gags it's not the burger place like imdb leads you to believe and it's not even just the individual characters being funny the show is about the family 
and that with all the antics they get into, all the silliness, all the gags, the family loves each other and can have a great time together. And I just think that's really awesome. I don't know. Like you said before, it was kind of wholesome, but you're like, maybe that's not the word to describe it. And you're trying to find something else. In a way, it really kind of is because we don't get a whole lot of those shows where you can have that adult kind of humor and stuff like that. But still, it's really family oriented in the end. And this does a fantastic job of showing portrayal of a family that really loves each other, even though it's a cartoon. It's not even like a live show. It's a cartoon and it does it better than most live television shows or movies. It's probably my favorite uh, episode of almost anything. Yeah, this episode was top of my list. Definitely my favorite episode that I've seen of it so far, but that's not to slight any of the other episodes. They were all great. All the ones I've seen, even though I've watched the first like seven or eight episodes of the first season even, and then these other episodes that we've watched, this one still stands out as my favorite. So I understand why it got its rating, and I definitely recommend checking this one out. I honestly want to say that I, I think that I already was a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, so I'm just going to say that one doesn't count. But of of the shows that we've done on this podcast so far, I got to say, I think this is my favorite. I think for me, it's kind of between this and Steven Universe so far. It's it's real close, so, but for different reasons entirely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Chris, I think it's time we pull our inner kids away from those Belcher children before they start developing bad habits and see what they thought of Bob's Burgers. All right, little guy, quit flipping your burgers. Get over here. This show is really fun, and it makes me want to eat burgers. But not with mustard, because mustard makes me throw up, and throwing up makes me sad. But I want to go and play with Louise and Jean, because they're so funny. But not Tina, because she's weird and creepy. But I want to be part of this family, or at least watch this cartoon every day. And I give this five bowls of burger-flavored cereal out of five, not containing human flesh. Alright, Joseph, your turn. I'm going to go eat burgers. Alright, bon appetit, Chris. Bob's Burgers was absolutely a pleasant surprise on every level to me. This was a really fun show with memorable characters, great pop culture callbacks, and hilarious family antics. For as many puntastic gags as there were with this dysfunctional family, there was also a lot of heart. Even through their bickering and dispute, it really felt like the Belchers cared for one another. That's not something that's always easy to show with fictional animated families. Overall, I would give this show five big bowls of cereal out of five, and think you should go get yourself a taste of Bob's Burgers. Nicely said, guys. And as an adult, mustard still sucks. I love mustard, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you're disgusting. Get away from me. <laughs> Man, you're probably <laughs> one of those mayonnaise guys. No, I don't like mayonnaise either. It's gross. Ketchup or tapatio or nothing. <laughs> Ketchup or bust. Any closing thoughts for this, Chris, before we leave? The main thing that I want to say is that what makes me enjoy this show is that it's funny and it has all of these jokes, but they still do it in what feels like an intelligent way. It's more wit in the dialogue over the gags, and that's what really appeals to me. And that mixed with the actual real family moments like we talked about, you feel that this family actually loves and respects each other, even if they're making fun of one another or the jokes are about each other's expense. That's what a real family's like. I mean, it's something that I didn't really have growing up as an only child, but I look at a family like my wife's family and I see the same kind of dynamic in this show. And I think that they did a fantastic job of representing that in this cartoon. Absolutely. And to touch back kind of what you were talking about and young me was talking about, this show had so much heart to it. And that really stands out in as much as they're just joking around and you've got so many like over the top gags at the end of the day. And at the end of the episodes, literally, it comes back to usually them hugging each other and just being part of a family. 
it's showing them kind of grow and evolve as a family together. And that's a really positive thing to see just in any show, let alone a cartoon that could just be all gags and it could take the route of Family Guy and just go crazy with it. As far as this show goes, there was so much that stood out to it for me. It was really funny, and there were a lot of pop culture references that I appreciate, of course, going back to the horror episode, going back to OT even, being a parallel of E.T., which is one of my favorite movies of all time. So there's so much about this show that there is to love, and every time I watch a new episode, it surprises me in some way, so I definitely recommend checking it out. Honestly, the amount of heart that I found in this show was very surprising. I did not expect it whatsoever, and I absolutely appreciate it. And any phone calls if you need any voice acting, call me. Seriously, I'm here. So thanks again for your suggestion, Funk Radio Podcast. It was great. We loved it, obviously. Absolutely. But listeners, I think our milk supply has now run dry, so it's time for us to say goodbye. And next week, we'll be watching The Muppet Babies, submitted by Jeremy Hausen via Twitter at Jezza underscore NZ. And once again, I'm Joseph. And I'm Chris. And we'll see you next Saturday. Thanks everyone for listening. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Definitely reach out and let us know what cartoon you'd like us to cover, along with some of your favorite episodes so we can feature them on our show. You can make a request, see the current request list, or speak with the show host by visiting the Cartoon Boom subreddit. You can also connect with our network by visiting nerdsloth.com or searching for Nerdsloth on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. See you next Saturday.